day, poker peeps. This is Sky, and I appreciate you spending your study time with me and Smart Poker Study. So we have a great podcast for you today, a six-question Q&A with questions directly from Poker Forge members. And this is also a last chance remo- reminder. When this episode drops, there's only 48 hours left to get in on the Black Friday 2022 lifetime or annual membership deal. So here's how it works. You can get annual for half off, so 50% savings right there, $300 for an entire year of the Poker Forge, or you can get a lifetime for $600. There is no better poker training deal than this one going on right now. To take advantage, thepokerforge.com. Go there, join lifetime or annual. And for anybody who joins this weekend before uh, November 28th at midnight, you also get one hour of bonus one-on-one coaching directly with me. So once again, go to thepokerforge.com right now, join annual or lifetime for only $600. Okay, without further ado, let's do this gambate. Denise, this is the crew. Dave's the mechanic, Rico makes the ramps, and Kevin is team manager slash videographer. None of them party, right? Got it? Okay. Let's party. All right, so the first question comes to us from Mike C. about his crazy red line. He sent a picture of this, and I'll describe it in just a second, but he says, my red line is going off the chart, but my green and blue are going down. Any advice? So if you take a look at the screenshot he sent me, the red line, which is your non-showdown winnings, it's going up. He's like positive $85. It's on an upwards trajectory. But his blue line, his showdown winnings, is going down. He's at negative 100 or so after 11,500 hands. And his green line is at negative $18, give or take, after that 11,500 hands, right? So red is going up, blue is going down, green right in the middle. And that's kind of opposite what you see most of the time. The most common graph you'll see is like this one right here that I pulled off the internet. The blue line, the showdown winnings is going up. The red line, non-showdown, is going down right here. This is kind of like, like your standard tight aggressive player. Contrast that with one of my Poker Forge members right here. His red line is basically break even, just going straight across. But the blue and the green lines, once he joined the Forge, are going up. And he's nicely profitable, right? But here's the thing. So... Mike, your red line is up. Your blue line is going down. You probably have one or both of these issues going on. Issue number one is you bluff way too much post-flop. Because you bluff a lot, you probably win a lot of pots. You're able to push your opponents off with flop C bets, check raises, donk bets on the turn, pro bets on the river, check raising, raising on the river. Whatever it is, you're able to get your opponents to fold. So those non-showdown winnings are going up because you're bluffing and winning pots. But... Because you bluff so much, you're probably getting called a lot by players who just, oh man, I have top pair and this dude, Mike, is just betting a ton. I'm just going to call him flop, turn, and river, let him spew chips at me. So that's why that showdown is going down. They call you down. That's issue number one. Issue number two is maybe you bluff a lot, but maybe you also call too much. So you win a lot of pots with your bluffing pre-flop and post-flop. They fold and give you their chips, but because you bluff so much... Maybe you think everyone else is bluffing. So when they're betting into you, hey, I got second pair. I got top pair weak kicker. Um, 
Uh, I got third pair on an ace high board. I'm going to call down. I'm, I think he's bluffing right here. And so because you're calling down too weak, you're losing at showdown. So it's probably one of those two issues. And as you can see with his graph right here, this is indicative of one of those two, bluffing way too much or you call too much as well. So here's my strategy recommendations for Mike. Strategy number one is before bluffing post-flop. And I don't care what the bluff is, a donk bet, a C bet, a check raise, a pro bet, a float bet, whatever it is, name hands in their range that can find a fold. So simple example, right? We've done this a million times. You open raise on the button, the big blind calls, the flop comes and you miss. You have absolutely nothing and you want a C bet bluff. Well, right now on that board, let's just imagine it's a jack high board. Jack seven deuce, dry rainbow board, right? If he checks to you and you see bet, what can your opponent fold? There's a good chance he can fold any ace high, king high, and even queen high hands. On the jack seven deuce, he might be able to fold pocket threes and fours. He can fold uh, a six five suited, 10, nine, 10 suit, maybe nine. Well, on a jack seven, he can't fold nine, 10. But you know what I mean? There's so many hands that you can name that he can fold. Go ahead and make the bet. If you come across a situation and that board is just so wet and you don't think there's many hands he can fold on the flop, the turn, or the river, then don't bluff, right? Stop spewing chips because that's probably one of your issues uh, that lead to this kind of graph right here. Now, the other thing, if your issue is you bluff a lot and are successful bluffing, but you call too much and lose at showdown, always have a great reason to call, especially versus C-bets, but anytime your opponent check raises or donks into you, right? You want to make sure you have at least one of these three reasons to call, and these are truly the only three reasons that you should make a call post-flop. Number one is you have a value hand ahead of their betting range, and you don't want to raise. So you flop top pair, ace-king on an ace-high board, top pair, top kicker. But you know this opponent, and he could easily be betting weaker aces, second pairs, gut shot draws, but you don't want to raise just yet. You want to kind of slow play, let him throw chips at you. Great, just call. You have a hand ahead of name, uh, ahead of hands that you can name that are worse than yours that he's betting. Now, the second reason to call is you see a great way to bluff them later. Maybe that board is super wet and you're in position. He C-bets on the flop just half pot. Just call. As soon as the turn comes, another spade or the fourth straight card or an overcard and he checks to you, boom! You already know you had that plan in the first place. I'm going to call on the flop to bet when he checks the turn. Awesome. Great. Calling now to bluff later. As long as you can reasonably assume that they can find a fold later on. The last reason to call is you have a great price on a draw. So he's betting one big blind into a seven big blind pot and you have a gut shot or just an open end or a 10 high flush draw. Totally. One big blind into seven, you're getting great odds to call right there. So if they don't overcharge you for your draw, go ahead. It is okay to call at that point. So because Mike is a PokerForge member, I have some PokerForge video recommendations. In the Profitable C-Bets course, there are two videos bread and butter, ooh, bread and butter C-betting, actually, and another video called Out of Position C-bet Bluffing. Those are right up your alley, Mike. And then lastly, Finding the Fold course, That's uh, there's a video there called You Have Options, and that's perfect if you do not, if you just call willy-nilly, if you just call in hopes your opponent is bluffing, this video will teach you these three reasons to call. 
And of course, like with anything, I always give action steps with all of my recommendations. You must do the action steps from these three videos. That's really going to propel your bluffing and your better calling strategies. All right, so let's get to question number two. This comes to us from Joe. He just cannot make loose aggressive styles profitable, right? There, He says, there are so many things I need to learn. Hand ranges, GTO, reading your opponent's ranges, calling and folding in certain situations, etc. I'm having a hard time dealing with these scenarios and I'm a bad lag player. So here is the biggest thing, Joe, and for anybody else who plays super loose aggressive, I know it's fun. Three betting like mad, four bet bluffing like mad, C betting, check raise bluffing. But if you don't have the skills to back up those plays, you're not going to make any money. If you don't realize that this is a great time to go for max value with a 200% pot bet, or it's a great time to bluff them off with just a quarter pot bet, whatever the case is, if you're just throwing aggression out there willy-nilly, Man, you're going to have a really hard time making this game profitable, right? So the first thing, for any lags who can't be profitable, the first thing I recommend is using the KISS cash game ranges. Now, when you start with the KISS cash game ranges, they're going to be way tighter than you normally play. I recommend at most you're playing 31% of hands. That's open raising in the best position on the button. You, if you're a lag player, you might be playing 50-60% of the time. You're going to tighten down so much, you're going to find the game boring. But here's the thing. Your tighter ranges are going to allow you to profit against all those super wide callers, all those other lags that play too many hands. You're going to have tighter ranges giving you that mathematical advantage. And that's what's going to help you win money. Turn your game around from losing to winning. That's the first step. Over time, as you become a winner as a tight player, Go ahead and start three betting more, start open raising more, add more hands to your ranges, but do this for 5,000 hands, Joe, I recommend. And of course, um, you can get these ranges for yourself, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 418. There's a link there to download them. But because you're a PokerForge member, Joe, I highly recommend the Quick Wins Game Plans Module 1. That's the first thing I start everybody off in the PokerForge because it is critical to making money is playing tighter than your opponent's. And like I said, later on, you can learn to loosen up. Another thing, lag players love playing Zoom or fast fold poker. Do not play that. Play reg speed. It allows you to know who's at your table. Bob, who's on your left. Susan, two to your left. They're always going to be there. When you play Zoom, you constantly have uh, new players at your tables. Bob could be over here in one hand. He's over here on the other hand. On a third hand, there's no more Bob at your table anymore. When you play reg speed, you have you you know who the opponents are because it's pretty consistent. They might come and go, right? But they're there for quite a while. It allows you to free up your brain space for making good decisions because you don't have to worry that Bob's not there anymore, right? And reg speed is so much better when you're trying to develop your skills and when you're trying to become a profitable player. Next, number three, recommendation number three, play 5NL or 10NL until you become profitable. If you're a losing player right now and you're playing at 50 NL and you're losing on average one buy-in a day, that's a lot of money to be losing, right? Cut back to five or 10 NL until you become profitable. Then bam, you just start making money. Then you move up to 10 NL, then 25 NL, then back to 50 NL. You've got all the time in the world to make this game profitable, but you probably don't have all the funds in the world to keep losing at 50 NL or whatever your stakes are, Joe. I can't remember. 
Lastly, for you, Joe, um, you can't make loose aggressive play profitable. Follow the advice I gave to Mike in question number one, right? He's potentially spewing too many chips, but at the same time, making too many bad calls. That could be your issue too, Joe. All right, so one of my favorites, question number three, using Poker Tracker 4, right? So Wilfredo says, hey, Sky, I need help with these two things filtering for check raise bluffing and triple barrel bluffing in Poker Tracker 4. I just can't figure it out. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the three different screenshots I have for these various filters, but I'm going to help you by building them right now within Poker Tracker 4. So right here, just follow along. I recommend if you're on your home computer, pause the video and open up Poker Tracker 4 and do what I'm doing right here. So the first, the check race filter. What I recommend is doing one each for the flop, the turn in the river. Check race flop, check race turn, check race river. You go to more filters right here actions and opportunities. On the flop, you're going to do this exact same thing for turn and river. I'm just going to show you the flop. Checked flop. Um, add that to filter. Checked flop. Flop. You already have checked flop. Flop raises. The first flop raise. Boom. So checked flop made the flop too bad or the first flop raise. Save and apply filters. And you can see I've already saved that as XR flop check raise flop. So any filter that you run, always save it as a quick filter. Now, for triple barreling, uh, two different filters. The first filter is simply C-bet river. When you C-bet on the river, you can only have made a C-bet on the river if you were the pre-flop raiser and you C-bet the flop and the turn. So bam, that's odd, automatically built into this one filter, triple barrel C-betting here. So actions and opportunities on the river, river bets, and then continuation bet. Turn that on, make sure you save it as a quick filter, but save and apply filters. Boom, we got C-Bet River, and this month, out of the thousand or so hands I've played, I haven't played much this month, I, I triple-barreled once when I flopped trip nines, right? So that's the second filter. The next triple-barrel filter is making any bet on the flop, the turn, and the river. So this is triple-barreling for any type of bet, whether it's C-betting, donk-betting, uh, or just a plain bet in a limped pot whatever it is. Let me show you what that looks like. Go to more filters, actions and opportunities on the flop, flop bet, and just turn on any flop bet. Add that to filter, go to the turn, turn bet, any turn bet, add it to filter, and then go to the river, river bets, any river bet. Like I said, just counts for any of them. Add that to filter. So you made a flop bet and you made a turn bet and you made a river bet. Bam, triple barrel, right? Save and apply filters. You can see I called it triple barrel any bet as a quick filter. And it looks like I did it twice right here. Once with that ace nine when I flopped trips. And another time with queen nine when I turned a straight flush. How lovely. So in the Word document, bam, those are laid out right there for you. But now the next thing, of course, you can filter for those hands. Piece of cake, right? But when it comes to reviewing these hands, Wilfredo, I recommend that um, after you run the filter, look at the hand strength on each board and review the obvious bluffs. So for example, the screenshot right here, triple barrel, any bet, this is in a prior month or actually April of this year. I had ace four off suit. The flop comes down king nine deuce. I bet the three on the turn gives me a gut shot. I bet again, the river comes a seven and I triple barreled him and I lost uh, 34 big blinds in that hand, right? But what you can do is now when you compare 
the hand with the board, you can see that, oh, this is a triple barrel bluff. It's not necessarily a triple barrel for value. Then you can review those hands and learn from them. So question number four comes to us from Dean. He says, my purposeful study plan needs direction to focus down resources as opposed to subjects. Let's say I want to study hand reading. Do I watch YouTube? Do I listen to a podcast? Do I go back to the Poker Forge and study that? Do I read a book? Do I just open Poker Tracker 4 and Flopzilla Pro and study? With limited time, I tend to go with easy options on the fly, just using hand reading as example. But I think you can get my point for across the board decisions. Thanks from Dean. Thank you very much, Dean, for the question. So first, I have a four-part answer for you here. First, I want you to know your preferred resource for learning. Is it videos, courses, memberships, articles, books, or podcasts? Whatever you prefer learning from, that's where you that should be your go-to learning method because you enjoy learning uh, that way. You're probably going to be more likely to actually get in there and study, right? So know that first. For most of us, it's videos, of course, and potentially, like for me, videos within courses are great or within memberships either way. Now, the second part of this tip for you, Dean, is when you decide on the one strategy you, you want to learn next week, you use the example of hand reading, but maybe it's three bet bluffing, maybe it's C betting, maybe it's facing donk bets, maybe it's game planning, maybe it's understanding your opponents, whatever it is, find one piece of content from your preferred source, whatever that first step was that you decided. The third thing you're going to do, study that item, that one item and take notes, whether it's physical notes or a Word document like you can download from the show notes page here, right? Also, at the same time, open up your database and review related hands. So not necessarily when it comes to hand reading, right? But if you want to work on um, uh, check raising on the flop like we discussed with Wilfredo, well, um, go, you know, learn that thing, take notes, and then filter in your, in your database for check raises that you made. Filter in for your database and in hands where you checked and then called because check calling is the opportunity to check raise. Maybe those, some of those check calls could have been better check raise bluffs potentially, right? So do some database reviews. And of course, if you feel it's necessary, whip out that software, right? Flopzilla Pro, GTO Plus, hand, uh, 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 Hold'em Resources Calculator, whatever it is, it's going to help you work on that strategy that you studied. Um, yeah, so whip out that software as necessary. The fourth thing, and this of course is critical, play a lot of poker, but play using the strategies you learned. So if you're trying to become a better check raise bluffer, look for every opportunity to check raise bluff, whether you're in the hand or not. Let's imagine you folded. The flop comes. You have a caller and the C better in position. Look at that board. Look at the C better and ask yourself, oh, if I was still in this hand, would I check raise bluff here? Is this a good opportunity? Because you're not always going to have the opportunity to check raise bluff, but as long as you're paying attention, there's going to be dozens of times in, in any session when you can analyze a spot and gauge whether or not it's a good check raise bluffing opportunity or whatever the strategy is that you're focused on, right? Now, you had said, Dean, also that with limited time, I tend to go, e go with easy options on the fly. Now, here's an example schedule with 20 minutes of work uh, for somebody with limited time, 20 minutes, we all have 20 minutes a day where we can study. We can just wake up 25 minutes earlier, get to our desk, pop open a video, whatever it is, and start studying, right? But on Monday, study that one item that you chose and take notes. On Tuesday, review related hands in your database. So you're separating your study 
um, study sessions between different days because you only have 20 minutes a day. On Wednesday, whip out Flopzilla Pro, do some range and hand analysis. On Thursday, restudy the item and revise your notes, that same item that you studied on Monday. On Friday, that's a free day to study anything or just play, completely up to you. But of course, every day, so those are your Monday through Friday study schedules. But every day, play, play, play with focus on using the strategy as often as possible. And like I said, even when you're not involved in the hand, you can just look at that flop, look at the open raiser. If I was against him, would I check raise bluff here? The answer is yes. Great. You just did a little bit of game planning. You just uh, worked on those strategies when you weren't even involved. No stress either in the situation because you had folded pre-flop. Now, um, for you, Dean, and for everyone else in the Poker Forge, um, under the extra items tab, there's a smart learning tab as well. Let me actually show you what that looks like real quick. Um, for those watching on YouTube, right? Extra items, smart learning. There are tons um, important software. Do as you consume, using tick sheets, avoid feeling overwhelmed, time management, maximum efficiency, note-taking, game tape, how to sensibly move up in stakes. So many things that don't necessarily pertain to a particular course, but it's about learning poker, right? So that's where I recommend you go, Dean. So question five comes to us from Chris. It's about Bitcoin, right? He says, I think I remember you being an affiliate with a Bitcoin, not a Bitcoin, but it's a cryptocurrency. But that's the word that he used uh, in his email. Can you tell me which cryptocurrency, I guess, provider you use and maybe give me some directions on how to use your Bitcoin? I would like to know how to make withdrawals and how to keep money in there. Thank you, Chris. So here's the thing, Chris. I use Coinbase to buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, it's held in an account just like any other bank account, right? You have a certain amount of Bitcoin, of Ethereum, of, of Dogecoin, whatever it is. All the coins are there in your account. There's no routing or account number. You have what is instead um, uh, a wallet address. So there's a big, long 30-digit address for your wallet that you give to like America's card room, for example, and they'll, you can deposit through that address. It's just like having, just like giving them an account number and a routing address, right? You send and receive Bitcoin through that address. So it's nice and simple. You can also sell it and then your account will have dollars and then you can transfer that to your bank account. However, you want to withdraw that money, just like you would withdraw from an online savings account, an online banking checking account, right? Um, like I said, you can buy and sell it through Coinbase, and they have tons of cryptocurrencies available, not just Bitcoin for you. Um, if you use this special link, you, Chris, and everybody else who's watching this, go to smartpokerstudy.com slash Bitcoin. It's going to take you to my uh, affiliate account with Coinbase. If you buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, you and I both get 10 bucks. So we're both benefiting from this one. All righty, question six comes to us from Larry, and it's a doozy. It's about fixing turn honesty. Turn honesty means you see bet the flop a ton, but it drops big time on the turn and it looks like you only see bet for value. Pretty easy to exploit those turn honest see betters. So a uh, quick question, though this is from Larry. Quick question. It seems I am turn honest. So I was wondering how do I go about fixing that? So far, I've tried checking more flops than betting the turn, but that doesn't help. Uh, so far, only the better players have picked on all picked up on that, which has forced me to check my better hands only to check raise them when they try to exploit that. But I'm not always going to be in a position to do that. So I would like to plug that leak from Larry. 
So first off, that first thing you mentioned, Larry, about checking but then betting the turn, that doesn't affect your turn C-bet percentage. It affects your flop C-bet percentage. So one of the ways that, that players know to exploit your turn honesty is they look at the HUD and they see that you're C-betting 70% on the flop and then 30% on the turn. That's a, a turn honest player. Well, if you check more, that C-betting on the flop will go down, but that turn honest C-betting, that 30% is still down there. So you might look a slightly less honest if you go from 70 to like 60 but you're still going from 60 to 30, right? So that doesn't necessarily help with the perception of being turn honest. So here's the strategy. I got four strategies for you, Larry. First, you want to decrease your flop C-bets. So like I said, 70 and 30% flop and turn. You want to bring those numbers closer together. If your flop C-bet is greater than 75%, you want to start looking for spots where you can check and then call, like you said, or even check raise with value hands, or just check with absolute garbage when you think he won't fold. Earlier, we talked about uh, question number one was was um, uh, being too aggressive. Well, there you can be winning a ton of spots when you're too aggressive, but it's really easy for opponents to just call you and earn value from you. So you want to ditch the worst bluffing opportunities, but maybe add some checking with value hands to kind of hide, disguise the strength of your hand. Strategy number two is you got to ask yourself, are they, is your opponent turn honest? If so, Plan for two barrels before the first. What often happens is we get to the flop and we bluff without thinking about the future. We don't think about the turn. We don't think about what good what good turn cards are for turn bluffing. We just know we need to bluff him right now because we didn't hit a hand and future be damned. We don't even think about it, right? So if their fold to flop seabed is less than 40, but their fold to turn C-bet is greater than 50, so they don't fold a lot on the flop, but they fold a ton on the turn, you have to plan for making a double barrel before you even bet on the flop. You know they fold on turns, so expect that flop to get called, but you have to double barrel and you have to bluff them off, right? If, if you realize he's turn honest, but you look at the board, their range, it's an ugly situation, you're out of position maybe, their stack size is too small, it's going to be hard to get them to fold. If you don't think you can barrel to get them off, but you know it's going to take a double barrel, don't even make that first bluff C-bet on the flop. Strategy number three, don't slow play great hands when he can call with lots of weaker stuff on the turn. This is a big problem. Um, for a lot of especially micro and low stakes players, you bet the flop for value, but then you've heard of this bet check bet line, or you heard about pot control and stuff, and you just don't want to be spewing chips at your opponents. But here's the thing, get value while the getting's good. That's one of my favorite sayings. Do not pot control if they can call again and give you value. Sure, it might be a wet board, but the turn didn't complete the draw, you might as well bet again with your top pair top kicker, with your set, with your two pair draw. Get that value now. They might hit something on the river, but you're overcharging them now. They're paying too much. They're making a mathematically poor decision to call you, but that's good for you in the long run. In the short term, right now, they might hit the flush on the river and you lose extra chips because of it. But most of the time, mathematically, they are, if you can make these kinds of good value bets, in the long run, you're going to be profiting off of all the players who just cannot fold their draws or their weaker hands. So C-bet for value more often on the turn.
Strategy number four is do a hand reading exercise daily with a turn seabedding opportunity that you weren't sure of. So because you're turn honest, there's probably a lot of spots you get to the turn and think, oh, should I seabed again? Oh, oh, e, ah, I don't know. I'll just check. That probably happens a lot. When that happens in game and you're not sure whether or not you check or seabed, tag that hand. Tag it with a review tag. Tag it with like 17 question marks right in a row. Whatever you need to do to review that hand later on in your studies, run it through Flopzilla Pro, assign your opponent a range, and gauge whether or not, yeah, that is a good double barreling opportunity for value or as a bluff. Either way. And uh, some PokerForge video recommendations for you, Larry. In the leak plugging course, there's the turn seabed honesty video, the review turn seabed opportunities video, and the exploiting turn honest seabedders. When you learn how to exploit others with your same leak, you better you learn better how to avoid being exploited that exact same way. Uh, so that these are, it's a great series of three videos in the leak plugging course. In the profitable seabets course, there's the bread and butter seabedding and the double barrel seabets course. Highly recommend both of those. Alrighty, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 418 to download this Q&A Word document to have your notes taken for you. And of course, become an annual or a lifetime member at the Poker Forge during the best sale of the year. You've only got 48 hours left as of uh, when this episode drops. Uh, so you have to become a member of thepokerforge.com before midnight on Monday, November 28th. So go to thepokerforge.com right now. I'm looking forward to being your coach. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. 